Collective Potential Podcast is a pretty cool show, if I do say so myself. It's about real conversations with real people. And today we have a wonderful soul who I care deeply for. She is out there in her own way, creating change in the world, but not just on one side of mental health. We could spend all day talking to this expert about um, the stats and the facts, but today we're bringing in Nicole Gibson, um, the mental health commissioner, or one of, but she's also the leader of the Rogan Rouge Foundation for a conversation that really is about caring about people's state of being and we're the four people who want to have that conversation with you about yours. Connection. Wow. Real world. People everywhere. Collective potential. We're all the same. Oh, that's nice. I like that. So, Ryan, Jeremy, Nicole, first mm-hmm. question for you. If you could um, describe one word... Um, of the state of uh, mental health in this country, what word would you use? Um, not really. Oh, I am one word bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Failed. Move on. Okay. Can I have a sentence? Yeah, sentence. Okay, go. I'd say we often Jeez. sweep it under the rug. It's like the thing that it's kind of, I feel like it's not a real conversation talked about, um, especially in the sense that we kind of avoid the underlying problems of you know, addiction or mental health and kind of just try and solve um, the stuff above the surface. We're yeah. using things like prescription drugs or quick fixes. Um, but I think the deeper conversation of why people are feeling isolated and wanting to turn to these things in the first place isn't on hugely in the public eye. Um, I think it's in transition from underground to overground and becoming social norm to talk about, really, I think, because there's more and more awareness and it's been growing over the last five years. Good answers. Nicole, welcome. Hey, Em. Um, so I'm going to stick to the one word and I'm going to say misunderstood. Ooh, lovely. Ooh. Very lovely. Why so? Let's hear it from the so-deemed expert. Are you an expert, by the way? How's it? Well, I, I don't think an expert can really deem themselves an expert. I think that's... Good know, answer. It's like calling yourself cool. It's just not avoid. <laughs> but I, yeah. say that all the, I say that all the time. I'm cute. Yeah. Um, so... I think misunderstood, like largely to what Ryan was saying to speak to that, it's, um, I think there's been a lot of work over the last decade or so around bringing it to the surface and, and making it, a, making it aware to the public that it is an epidemic. But I think, um, it's not so much about the fact that we need more awareness as to the fact this is a problem, but it's actually like what I see in my work is it's a need for genuine behavioral change. And that's what that's what I fail to see in, in all of the work that I do through government and in communities. It's not people uh, want to shift their behaviour and, and the way that they engage in their relationships and the way that they approach themselves and their own personal development, but it's actually a lack of, um, a lack of access to, to do the work. You know, it's, it's different for people that, say, live in Melbourne City and they can come to a collective potential workshop or they can access... Um, someone like me by turning up in my office. But what happens if you're not in an area um, that that promotes sort of personal development as an everyday sort of conversation? And arguably that's the majority of our country. Mm. What specific behaviours do you mean people want to change? Yeah, because that, that, that sometimes I think that we talk so much about mental health on such a micro, uh, macro level. What do you mean changing the behaviours? For thinking about it as the interview, people listening. I mean, what what I interpret that as though is that there's no like spiritual focus really Mm. to, um, because it's commonly understood in psychology that spiritual focus is, is, is a direction for mental health recovery. Mm. I mean, you know, like purpose beyond yourself. Purpose beyond, exactly. Yeah. Um, so because, and, and religion used to be that threshold you know churches in the countries and stuff would unify people yeah would unify people as much as it was like dogmatized or whatever and it was always a bit wrong and a bit Mm. off and a bit untruthful it still was a place where people could commune Mm. um i do feel like you've got to be at a certain level of development before you can access that higher spiritual understanding though and i think even just the fundamentals we're not getting right day to day as as a generalization of the Australian population we're not we don't really look after our bodies correctly we're not eating properly and we're not exercising enough we, we don't understand that our minds are malleable and we can choose the thoughts that we're thinking 
Uh, we don't understand that uh, the difference between a healthy relationship and an unhealthy great, relationship. Great, great. And um, they're, ju- they're just fundamentally... Brilliant. This is what you mean <laughs> by... <laughs> so backwards, yeah. Is that what you mean by people behavior needs to change. Yeah, the actual behavior needs to shift. And and when I look at the majority of the population, I think we're really blessed with our sort of eco chamber, which is a, a group of people that are highly conscious Seriously, in a way. I we, really am. And we forget, right? Yeah. The majority of the population are reactive. Like I notice it all the time. I can be riding my bike down the street and if I get too close to a, you know, a few pedestrians on my ride to the corner store, I get swan out. You know, that's that's the standard level of awareness. You're a pretty dirty rider. Um, yeah, I am. It's true. <laughs> I so. really enjoy hanging out with, um, like, people that come here from overseas as backpackers or that just come here because they appreciate what we have in Melbourne so much. Mm. And I feel like Melbourne has this creative culture and this bubble where people kind of want you to do well and want you to be creative on most part. But then you go to other states and apparently it's just completely different. They don't have that sort of um, culture. And I think we forget that living in Melbourne. 100%. Mm. I mean, if you talk about... I've um, already forgotten it and you just said it two seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> the rural... I love that word. always gets me. The country towns, rural towns. Like the energy that I vibrate in, whether you believe in that or not, is because I am in a culture of people who are so much more open and And you can process your problem. Yeah, we talk about it. Pick up the phone, you've got 20 people you can call who are going to give you a genuine sounding board Mm. to talk things Mm. through and not get reactive. And like I've examined as to why the majority of the population are so reactive. And it's the Mm. fact that they haven't healed their own pain. They're Mm. still, when you look at behavior, psychologically, behavior is motivated by need. So if you're at a point in your beingness that is of need, whether that's need of love or need of health or need of information or need of direction, then it, it just equates automatically to a behavioral pattern, which is one of taking or to suit or, or to try and get from a situation what it is you need to survive, which is actually where the majority of us are at. Even in a country cool. where we have so much available to us, um, there's fundamental parts of our being that's missing, whether that is direction or spirituality or, you know, why is it that we have access to so much information through um, digital media, et cetera, and yet we don't know how to put it into practice because mm. there's something even deeper that we're lacking and that's a sense of self-assurance, confidence, belief. And, I mean, going into the reasons why that's manifested is a whole other conversation, but I think that's really where yeah. the change happens. Can I uh, you go. This is pretty awesome content to talk about, but how the hell did you get here? Like, take us back to the time where you weren't so conscious of your thoughts and a, a mental health commissioner and leading the way of a conversation, leading a conversation, I should say, that you're so passionate about. Mm. Can you give me a moment of why yeah. it's led you here? Definitely. I mean, the the reason I was passionate to, to walk this path was my own struggles as a teenager, really um, battling with an eating disorder for many years and, and being thrown into a system that um, only knew how to deal with uh, a critical situation and not with the person behind that situation. And at the end of the day, as much as a mental health diagnosis um, can be assuring to an individual and, and put them on a path to recovery, it's fundamentally missing a lot of what I think a human needs or feel a human needs to recover. And that was the reality that I was in. I felt like it wasn't a lack of access to psychology and uh, nutritionalists per se. It was actually having a community around me that understood. And when I walked away from that system, um, I started to see how I wasn't the only one feeling that way. And I think that really motivated and inspired me to want to ch- to want to have a conversation that, that wasn't being had. Mm. You know, if you think about your own space, like why are we have, even having these conversations? Like, the called adventure that gets us here, I think about the people who are listening to this. Why does this matter? Because we will always come up against somebody who has had at some point a called adventure or a change in their life or an awakening. I don't think you listen to Collective Potential podcast without knowing that or knowing someone who's had that. And I, I don't know, I just think that's amazing simplicity of, this is where I was and I saw that there was something fundamentally missing and that you just went, you know what, I'm just going to do something about it. And I love that because, of mm. course, I do. I believe that at the moment I couldn't change unless I had people around me that support you. Mm. So is that the solution, connection? 
Connection, totally. And it's not even just social connection, it's connection to yourself. Think about, you know, the dark times that you've been in personally and it's that that feeling of confusion and disconnection and why do all of my feelings feel different inside of me and why can't I get a grip on what I'm thinking? And mm. it all comes down to not being fully connected to the truth within yourself. Yeah. And, and I like that because I reckon actually as a priority, connection to yourself is more important than connection to others. 100%. Um, I mean, it has been for me personally. It's my- a mirror. Like once you connected, I read this awesome quote by Osho this morning and he, he was talking about, so the world is a reflection of you as a mirror for you and saying, he used the analogy, if you dance in front of a mirror, the, the mirror dances with you back. <laughs> but if you choose to sit in front of a mirror, the mirror sits with you back with no concept of the fact that it was dancing with you minutes beforehand. And it's just this um, beautiful analogy to suggest that the world is, is that mirror. You know, whatever state you choose to show up in mm. is going to be what's reflected back at you. And I think once you have that connection to yourself, then socially you you begin to attract that and have an experience of that same connection in deeper in your relationships. How do you teach that across the side? Or how is it being taught right now? Like that's education, mm. right? The way you think, the, what mm. your mindset. Well, do, you, do you guys? Well, I think our education it doesn't teach people how to think. It teaches them what to think. Yeah. It doesn't actually show, okay, so guys, Good this is what mind. this is what your mind is like. This is what it will do. It will bounce around. And it's how to deal with it with things like meditation or having conversation with friends or just learning how your brain works. I think that would be the most beneficial thing to teach in schools or to people, not, you know, um, what year did this happen in history, but that, that, that's, that's also fundamental. But that just having that um, foundation of this is how your brain works and mm. it's how to deal with it. Mm. that's true really true I like what you're saying about how it's that we're taught what to think not how to think um I suppose it's because it's dangerous to be teaching kids how how to think because they're like they're more scarier for people the teachers I guess it's unknown it can't be measured yeah yeah people don't like what they can't define and and measure Mm. and understand in in the boxes in which they interpret the world so how the hell do you do that inside government because I've I've, I'll be the first to be to crack it all the time. Like it's a societal <laughs> bullshit stereotype of fuck you government. Throw tables over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> you know, like how do you do that in a system where you're sitting around with six other men and I mean, are they in their stuffy white shirts and their blue ties and do they really listen to somebody who cares about their. I mean, for, for me, I guess the way that I navigate most situations is sort of yeah. the same, which is, um, one of my spiritual philosophies is that beauty is equally distributed in all moments and it's just our perception that skews us from being able to see that. Can you explain that again? Slow it down. I like that. Beauty is distributed evenly in all moments. You know, the, the beauty that we see in the world is w- within ourselves and our approach to situations. So it doesn't matter if I'm sitting around, you know, a, a fire talking to like-minded people or I'm in a... Um, boardroom in in government my spiritual mastery is the ability to to find that beauty no matter where I am and to know that these um men in in white suits or you know white shirts and black suits whatever it is um they're pioneers you know that they're the ones that have spent the last 40 or 50 years slogging in a system that has allowed us to resist against it which is really all of life, you know, it's, it's, the, mm. it's the cycle of life and death. If it wasn't for their work, we wouldn't be able to be the hero, you know. You know what? I love that. Mm. I actually think that's such a beautiful thing that you just said then. You know I think I mean? I, I, only because it's like it's um, it's jumped at me because it's like um, looking at other people's differences as, or the, the differences in the world and differences in nature as all equally beautiful in a, an objective sense, mm. but our shading or our the way we grade the world um, or see through our own goggles is is the only thing differentiating everything. Yeah. Um, preference. Yeah. Our preference. It's like a story, though. Like you could go into that meeting being like, oh, these you know, men in white shirts are different from me or like what it sounds like you do is you go, how are they the same or how are they hmm. good? It's like you can tell yourself a story about any situation. Yeah, how do think... you go into the meetings? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. I mean, in... I've been blessed with the just the sheer amount of people that I've had the opportunity to work with as as a facilitator. I'm sure Em and all of you guys can appreciate. You you meet, you know, the first hundred people you work with, you think, wow, there are some similarities between these guys. And then you work with a hundred thousand people and you think, wow, 
I'm really starting to see the the fundamental similarities in humanity. And then you work with a quarter of a million people mm. and you start to realize there's far more of what makes us the same than Listen. what separates us. The sameness is the way that we feel and our desire to be heard. You know, when, when I walk into that boardroom, even though I'm, you know, a 24-year-old female in a room filled with 65-year-old males, um, there's a sameness. And I think that it's really beautiful to remember that and to know that even though my perspective and how to shift and change the epidemic of mental health in Australia might be different, um, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have the attitude that um, of I know better because in essence it's actually I'm losing out from the wisdom that they have to share with me. And, and they have led a system that although it has flaws, has served tens of millions of people over the years and whether that's done that, you know, to the best of its ability is, is questionable but still it's a system that not many other countries in the world have Yeah, and I think there needs to be some sort of homage and respect. I and, love that. Fun, and just an that. offering, you know. Like people don't try and do a bad job at what they do. Yeah, like, exactly I think if you right. have that in mind, that people don't try and be dicks. Like everyone's trying to do the best they can with what they have. It's so funny you say that because well, I've, when you're like, when you receive certain information, like if you subscribe to um, Anonymous on Facebook, you, you, a lot of the stuff is fear inducing or like big generalizations about mm. the evils. Um, like, but this one recently inspired me as money, like the you know the five richest families or whatever eight people that is wealthy is have as much money as the eighty percent of the earth pe- people on the earth, um, and stuff like that mm. infuriates me in terms of just resource fair equality. <laughs> um, but my that response is not a re- is is of the same that reaction response is of the same energy that that are you know of the the badder energy. So um, I like what you're saying because it's really. Like for example, I asked a mate the other day who's in money and he knows a lot about money and investors and people that deal loads of millions and billions even, and he's just saying that um, people are just trying to do a good job. You know, like exactly. most people are really a, a, a considerate and trying and and they're evolve. You know, like we're on a con- constant journey and the system is on a place in that journey which is a bit better than a bit worse than it could be. Mm. Um, and it were, but that pushing forward or innovating yeah. the system like do you obviously if you have an idea for example you get met with like resistance and then you mm. try to push through it or then then you do you understand how you could phrase it differently to have them hear it better or like what's your process of trying to innovate in that system yeah i think disruption in government is is a particularly interesting conversation because it's not like going into a corporation that invites disruption it is a fundamental resistance in government to anything disruptive but that's not because they don't want to see change it's because it's a lot more difficult to implement change because you're dealing with with a system that's um, responsible for you know 22 million people's well-being so it's um when you're looking at change like yeah and it can be heartbreaking for me to see you know a billion dollars put into an area of mental health that i don't believe is the most effective way to help people Mm. um but until there's hard evidence to suggest that you know my ideas or my theories or my philosophies uh, are going to better the lives of those people then it's not actually an intelligent decision to disrupt the system and i think the move of consciousness and understanding of love and community hasn't gotten yet to a level where we can justify our statements. You know, there's been a lot of scientific research that's been put into, um, you know, mainstream psychology and and treatment of pharmaceuticals, even though that's a controversial conversation in itself. Um, And yet, you know, how many people who who do the work like Em and I do that have really critically evaluated the success in, in... Re, uh, recovering from a mental health disorder. It's not. It's not as many. So, so what about just as a specific meditation, for instance? There's plenty of science backing with that. It's, yep. it's broadly accepted um, as a, as good for your health. There's how comes that isn't more vigorously being put into schools, for instance? Well, then you've got uh, like organisations like Smiling Minds, who are in five thousand education facilities in Australia, and I mean they they were only founded two years ago. So I think again, that's a generalised statement that meditation is being rejected by schools. That's not true. It's mindfulness. There's a market that's hungry, and I think that there's been um, a spike in people's interest in consciousness. And with that spike, whether that happened over a year or two years. Um, people just started to look to the world around them and say, well, why isn't this implemented now? 
mm. without realizing that you know patience and huge systematic change yeah. yeah and time and and really shifting a whole population of people um is a journey and i think whilst we're looking at government or different sectors and making them the enemy we're just disadvantaging our opportunity i think i think your perspective is so valuable i know it's for me like it resonates as real wisdom for me but for other lots of other people to really understand to stop this resistance but like you know, a resistance to something, but it's almost like you've got com- not compassion, but just real understanding of the other side of the wall. Because um, otherwise the divides will keep, you know, like we won't be drawing on our unity. It will be... To be honest, know. I feel really emotional listening to you. Well, in that, you know, like you, if I'm somebody who is in in this industry, I see such sadness in so many people. Mm. Like I really do. Like I get... Of late, you know, there's been people who have psychosis who have been calling me and, you know, I just feel for them because the system that's around them is sad. Mm. Like they're going into psych wards. It's only medication. That, like I tried to find alternatives in between. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, for someone who does this work, it it, it affects me. Mm. It does. Yeah. Um, but I let it because I love it. So when I hear you, I'm so inspired, Nicole. Like I truly Mm. want you to know that. It's such a refreshing – I know we go down this path of talking about mental health, but today, you know, I hear that in you and I go, oh, I'm crying because there's hope Mm. in the system. And genuine change. Yeah, Yeah, it is. genuine. You know, like I actually go, oh, cool. And there's so – it's so important for us to remember. And thanks so much, Em, for your vulnerability Mm. and your care. It's so Mm. good to know that that's – exists (laughs) exists <laughs> mm, um mm. but yeah it's so important to know that when you look at the job of government in particular it's their job is infrastructure so it's like you, you're not going to ask your government to fix a road before it's broken and i think you know oh, wow. what and and yet uh, on the same token we would we would disagree with someone that's going and jackhammering a random system that's jackhammering the road and ruining the road you know, we would try and stop them because Great we're analogy. protecting um, our roads. And I think our our well-being as an individual, there's so much that needs to happen before that point of, of system intervention. And I even look at my own, like I'll use my own narrative to make it more personal and not to, to generalise that statement. But when I was 38 kilos, I needed the system to intervene. But fuck, it took years before I was at that point. And there were so many people that I... Um, was in contact with that really could have made a significant um, difference in that journey to self-destruction. And they weren't educated in how to have conversations. They they didn't know how to approach a different, they didn't know how to have that hard conversation. They didn't know how to emotionally um, be selfless in the way that I needed. And that wasn't their fault. They just, they didn't know how to be. And I think that that's, that's a part of our work that's really, really important mm. because what we're building is communities that can stop that road from needing to be fixed. But it's important that the system is there when someone is in a psychosis or they, are, they have um, become, uh, they've lost control of their um, ice addiction, whatever it is, and they're then in danger of themselves and their family. Like the, at that point, intervention is necessary. Yeah, that's mm. so true. I yeah. was at Rainbow at the weekend. I went to a workshop and the speaker was talking about... Rainbow fa- Serpents, yeah, festival. Rainbow Serpents. Just so to give a, context. Just a really great, great festival where people are really lovely and nice. But it was um, the workshop, it was talking about kind of society and, you know, looking towards the future and making change. And the speaker spoke about how he was, he, he called it second generation... Um, alienated so saying that he his parents broke away from the norm of their his grandparents and how since then it gets a lot easier to be kind of integrated in that so his example was his parents you know were part of joined the communist um revolutions they already knew that they wanted change Mm. and how that you know if we're thinking about this idea of hope like it was in the 1940s when we had world war ii and this massive destruction and of course there's going to be a huge mental health epidemic because we're coming out of world war ii like And it's still that system. And values is, based on stability and security. Yeah. So it's, which is, I think, a huge, like, that That in itself plays a massive role in mm. our um, 
in in our generation's difficulty in trying to become vocal about change because we've had parents that have had parents that have come out of the war whose main value set was we need to be stable and we need to we mm. need one job for the rest of our lives because mm. that's what we have to do to survive. What do you think the values are coming up in our generation? It's the the yin to the yang, you know, in order to rebel rebel against that and evolve as as a species, we our generation need to be the the truth seekers and the ones that are um embracing of change and questioning the status quo and mm. um you know, that it's not, I don't think that we're special in that way. And I think the millennial generation need to have a bit of a reality check around that. Yes, it's a phenomenal time on the planet to instigate change because we're more connected than we've ever been. But it's really no different to the will and the um, intention behind the hippie movement or the other revolutions that have happened on the planet. Except it, I feel like the hippie movement was at least, I mean, apparently to me it was a bit more humble. I feel yeah. like the, the number of entitled people is like, in our generation is skyrocketing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is perpetuated by our ability to promote ourselves. Yeah. So yeah, it's it was like per- you... perpetuated by social media. How do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, I think, it, or you go, you'll <laughs> say I'm far, far better answer than me. <laughs> I just think that we, um, you know, it is a human need no matter, you know, what generation you've been from to, to be seen and heard. And I think our generations had a platform in which to do that like no other generation. Like and no other. There's been Jesus. no guidance, you know, there's there's been no conversation had between parents and children because the parents don't understand the psychology of it. So mm. it's like learning a new language, really. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I have a lot of um, coaching clients that are, you know, that 20 age, 20s, 20s, I'm stuttering, <laughs> sorry, I'm halfway through my thought. Of it. <laughs> but the parents who purchase and pay for the um, coaching it's really interesting what the parents will come to me for and what they want for their young person through this six-month coaching process that I'll do mm. with them, mm. but very different to what the young person yeah. wants from it. Right. And I actually find that, not that I just work with young people, you know, it's all different ages, but in this certain sector here, yeah, the values, you're spot on. What are they? Well, the parents really want them to have stability mm. and structure because in the ones that I've been working with, they don't necessarily have that mindset. It is, let's see what happens and let's, we'll go with the flow and <laughs> I'd love to be as creative and look what, you know, and they spend more time on social media. So the values give a different expression and that they can't understand each other because they're very blinded to mm. each other's expression. So mm. it's fascinating to spend time sitting with parents and kids and translating. Yeah. I actually feel like I'm a massive translator of, well, actually, this is what this is and this is what this is without giving each other's opinion away. It's like a, I'm like a puppeteer sometimes. Which like, which begs the question, sorry, Jess. You go. I was just going to say really quickly, which begs the question as to like there's no rites of passage that are facilitated by elders, which mm. I think ties in hugely to some of the cultural Smashing and mental health that. issues that we see is when there's no communication, there's no... Rites of passage. So what's an example of a rites of passage in this case? Yeah. Uh, let's go down this path. I love this conversation. <laughs> the, well, the facilitated initiations into adulthood, but really a rite of passage is any transformational time in your life. And I feel um, it, the importance, you know, in the young people that I've worked with, but all people really, in having very um, secure guidance during those times and because there's such a conversation breakdown between generations, younger people haven't had any well-facilitated rites of passage unless they've been so lucky to meet an M, mm. for example, mm. um, which means they've initiated themselves. And, mm. a, and a lot of that's been through, you know, destructive behaviour because that's all they've known and that's all they've had access to. Mm. Joseph Campbell, mythologists talk about him almost every week, but he talks about rites and passages. It's like kind of like a story or a a ritual that makes you know when you're adult, when you have that actual change. Whereas mm. we kind of have an 18th birthday party or the 21st yeah. where it's like you have one night where you get drunk with your friends. Yeah, that's pretty – getting pissed is our rite of passage probably. Totally yeah. it is. Or, the, you know, the gap year. But there's no like, okay, this is – you're an adult now and this is mm. a different sin personality, a different story. Yep. Whereas if you lived in, you know, and a South American tribe, you'd go out into the woods and hunt with your father for a week yeah. and – 
you'd have this real, okay, you're a man now. This is your mm-hmm. expectations. And it's is... so psychologically um, important. Mm. Those integral things. Like, it's, it's, it's integral. Like if you go away in a gap year, um, you know, the crucial part of a reintegration from a rite of passage is, is sincere acknowledgement to have the people that you love and respect acknowledge that you've been through a transformation. But what happens when we go away on a gap year and we come back and our families want to hold us to the person we were? So yeah. we, we're missing that push Shit, man, yeah. into... And that's even an aspect of why oh, you say solution. Something. The solution is connection because yeah. in connection and community, the elders were there, mm. weren't they? And you have the auntie or the uncle or the mentor or whoever mm. comes along to have the conversation about mental health. Yeah. Where are you at? They Where weren't looking to be? the government shaking their fists and saying, <laughs> why don't you have more effective systems? You know, they <laughs> had their own systems of community connection. Well, that's, I mean, that's what seems to come up again and again in this conversation, stumbling out to me, is the need for teachers or shamans in our yeah, environment, totally. tribe where we've got someone we know we can go to. Mm. I mean, I, I see like a handful of my friends like that, um, but, but, you know, like for everyone to feel that in regional and, and and Every somehow community. make it yeah somehow make it more um not feel like it's got a sense of dogma like a lot of previous religions may have had mm. priests in those kind of places yeah. but like have a have a someone that's more unified more unified but and more we we have that like we have our version of that cult culture in our world which is subcultures you know you've got people that love festivals like we were cool. talking about yeah. or people that love True. doofs or people that love social change and everyone within those subculture Everyone within those subcultures is looking at the other subcultures thinking, you guys so don't get it. This is, <laughs> this is it. Like what we have. The motorcycle gangs. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just all of that. I'd it's love like to hang out with some motorbike You're all gangs. just looking for the same thing and you can't see it. And that's that sense of union and, and a sense of, you know, eldership within those subcultures. Um, and I think what we fail to have is one that as our world becomes more global, we have no global culture. We have no global standard. We have no, you know, good quality global leaders. We've got a global sense of humor though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, the, on the internet is a global, like general sense to of deal humor. with it. Yeah. You know, to, to, deal, to with it, deal with the lack of unification and to deal because humor is the, the easiest way to connect. Mm. So that's what we've developed. You know, humans are very fascinating, um, intelligent in that way. That. It's like it's you know the seventh sense, the sense of humour. Mm. It's a real thing. It's mm. it's there to bind and diffuse difficult situations. And mm. I think that's why we have so many jokes about Trump. And like, let's be honest, most of the people joking about it are pretty misinformed, and they still want to get in on the conversation because they want to feel that global connection True. because a part of them know. And then we've got the haters that are like, oh, you know, stop being a keyboard warrior. Like, why don't we look behind what motivates that behavior? They're that. trying to connect to a conversation that does affect them. Yeah. And the fact that they're misinformed, it is partly their fault because they can go and learn about it and research it. But we, we also don't really have, it's not a part of our, um, you know, day-to-day community conversation in, in an informed way. So that's just people's way of trying to become connected. Yeah. Where do you guys That's feel most connected? Good question. You go in there. Where do I feel most connected? Yeah, where do you have that feeling where you go, yeah, I, I fit in. This is okay. I feel connected to myself. Um, it gets harder the weirder you are, I reckon. <laughs> the weirder, yeah. yeah. Um, the more like multifaceted you are as a human being. Um, I feel like definitely around you know people like you guys, it's always a sense of home. Um, or like riding my bike or going for a surf. Mm. But I think as well, it's, it's, it's sometimes dangerous to associate that, that sense of home to a very specific thing. You know, it's mm. like... Because if you don't have it, you then start to miss it. Exactly. And then you're separating yourself. It's yep. like a relationship, right? It's like you mm. can be so in love and then that, that person can be your whole world and then what if you break up? You've mm. got to have that within yourself. It's, it's funny. It's a good. I think it's a great question to ask. To be like, I think it's different. And for me, it's different parts of my life. Like during meditation, I feel really mm. at peace um, and connected to it all um, with people that accept me for who I am and listen to me genuinely. Listen and um, and I, anyone I can feel, I can be myself. Can be honest around. Mm. And even mm. anyone I feel that I could say something completely wrong and rude, and they <laughs> they they see it for what it is, and they call me on it and like i love bluntness i love honesty um because i feel like love underlies all that stuff so it's not like it's threatening their love for me it's it's mm, that's nice. it's actually enhancing like it that's, 
Um, and then, yeah, so friends and meditation, like mm. good people. And nature, of course. Like mm. when you're in nature, it's hard to not feel connected, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> it's an interesting thing, connection too, because it's not always love and fluffy bunnies. It's in totally. big hugs. Recently, I just came back from a holiday with my family. Ten days on a cruise ship. Yeah. <laughs> now let's all think about what that feels like with your family. Ten days. And I lost my shit. Like, I <laughs> cracked it. I did. I'm like, oh, I'm going on a lovely holiday with my family. I was a nightmare. I feel really versus reality. fucking over it was. Excuse my French. But that's I, so fun. But sorry, can I just say that's the theme. Over this break, every person I've spoken to about their families yeah. or in-laws, it's like I just spent three weeks with my in-laws, my girlfriend's family, yeah. and yeah, similar story. We'll see. It's just, it's just so. There's so many funny stories around it, though. There really is. <laughs> well, we should do an, an Epon family. Um, bring some of our family members in. Oh, oh no, hang on. So, oh. yeah, so there was on, something that I noticed. Yeah. I was walking down, um, uh, and I, I was thinking about it, and it occurred to me that connection can also be really the place where you're healing. Mm. Um, and that word gets thrown around, but I'm fighting with my brothers and sisters, but there's a reason for it because I'm at a new stage in my life where we didn't fight as much or whatever, but I'm they're now my mirror. Mm. And so there's That's something it. coming up at this point in my life that I have to deal with with them for me to step into the next stage of my life. And I think a lot of people think that connection is when you feel good, but in actual fact, no. this was the biggest healing thing that awesome. I had to, If I, luckily I could catch it after all of the training I've been supposedly doing for myself that only after a month of it have I gone, guys, how the hell do I work with that kind of connection? Like I'm actually quite curious to open the Such conversation. That is a healing process. Why can't I accept them? And Which is only accepting myself. So, to, to t talk us through the process that you felt in, like where, where, when it, if you wanted to, to go into the yeah, details, yeah, yeah. but like, what's an example of a situation where, like, it just um, brings it because it, it's old patterns, isn't it? It's like hard coded um, responses to something that you don't like. I used to have this wonderful life when my parents were alive. Yeah. So I thought. Yeah. So when I'm with them. I'm very sad, but my sadness comes out as anger. Mm. And so only until this last two months of being around my family, because my sister's come home, you know, a really long period of mm. two months of being around them constantly. And how long was she gone for? Uh, she's gone for 15 years and she's like the matriarch of our family. So what was just me being isolated in my beautiful world of collective potential comes out <laughs> yeah, at a period where I have to hang out with them 24 seven um, and I've never had to do that. So again, that's jading my existence or I felt jaded. I just want to be on my own, living in my space. But it really was. It was me still learning that I am angry that I'm sad mm. and that I don't have that life anymore. And mm. so when my family is not picture perfect, one's going off this way. It's my perception of him. And so I've had to like pull back and go on, you're the one who's angry which means I'm sad, right? Mm. Mm. And so why am I sad about that? I'm trying to take responsibility oh, for his you life. Know, I was thinking like but I love that. I love like distinguishing the difference. The key learner for me was distinguishing the difference between their problems and my problems. Yeah. Like that was a lifesaver knowing the difference of that. Cause it's like, all right, well that is, I can own that. That's I did fuck up there. Um, but I feel like this is your lesson and or whatever, you know, your, pro your problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's fine too. Like it's, I think that's really helpful like because to me it sounds like you before that frustration or that ah, you couldn't quite was it am I right in saying that you couldn't quite determine the difference I, between I couldn't I'll be, yeah. the, I'll be the first to admit I mm. was in fury about it just in my own space yeah but only it's in, blurry isn't it yeah, like, when you think about the nature of connection though right it's, it's not a choice I was actually talking about a f this with a friend Ooh. this morning is like we, we don't choose what we're connected to and humans tend to have uh, uh, they're comfortable in what they can control, right? So when you have a connection like your family or you fall in love or, you know, whatever it is, you're connected to um, whatever, whatever it is, but particular, particularly family and it's not a choice, then it becomes so much more convoluted and there's all of these expectations that we tend to put in its way to sort of control the way that we can engage with it. Right. But really when you strip it all back, connection right. is 
totally elusive and completely boundaryless. You know, yeah, yeah, it, it can't, yeah, you yeah. cannot, as much as you want to control it, like I think love is a perfect analogy of this. Like you can try and reason with it and you can try and justify it, but ultimately if the connection is real, there's nothing you can do other than just surrender to that connection. And yeah. I think that that's, that's really triggering. Look at it with the family dynamic. Like we're connected to them. We fundamentally love them. We therefore, you know, we want to, we want the best for them and for us. And we have all these expectations and we try and control it. And then when it doesn't go our way, we get angry. Um, but really we're just sad because it's not going the way that we want, which is a really, it's, we have good intentions, but ultimately the best thing that we can do is just surrender to the fact that. I love that. It I, remains. That's brilliant. Because yeah. uh, another thing that jumped out when you were saying there is um, that we don't really argue or con- come into conflict over who we are intrinsically. We come into conflict over our, our ideas of ourselves and our ideas of the other person. Mm. So w- when you strip that, but, I mean, this is my own process with my family right now. I realize that I can connect with them. Like if I just remove my idea of who they are and who I think I am, yeah. we're, we're cool. Sweet. We're yeah. sweet. <laughs> like they're my family. Yeah. And there's no problems really yeah but when i have an idea of who i think they are and how they behave and i think i am and where i sit in this world and how that there's difference with those two ideas mm. there's all sorts of tension totally. inside me mm. and that's what i'm yeah, it really brings it back for me of connection isn't love and mm. fluffy bunnies yeah. it's, it's different shades of love mm. right? And so you have to go through a disruptive mm. sometimes arduous horrible experience but that again that's you just mm. also healing and looking at it totally. it's in a different growth, way. Your, your growth. growth zone. It's like connection's not really dissimilar to attraction. What are we attracted to? We're not always attracted to things that we're, that are good for us. Yeah. You know, very rarely are we attracted to things that are good for us, but it's the new iteration of mastery, right? When you have that intense connection or attraction to something or someone, it's normally from my own personal experiences, I've found that that's the area that if you dive into is going to have the biggest and most potent growth. So oh, that's fucking dope. It is. When you're crying before talking about why you like uh, something, I just think it's like you, ch- uh, it's that it came from that book, um, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which Ray recommended I read over my break. And <laughs> Great it was book. The, such a good book, but it was, we shouldn't be, uh, it, basically one of the key cornerstones I took out of it was that we shouldn't be asking what we want to live for. We should ask what we want to suffer for. And seeing you suffer for something you care about, it's like, I just think there's so much beauty in that process and knowing that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Cause that's where you'll grow. That's where you will live a purposeful life. That's where um, you do work that you really, really care about. Um, and it's almost the suffering, like it's way worse suffering for something we don't want to care, don't care about. You know what I mean? But like yeah, when you suffer true. for something Way you care about, it's actually not so bad. <laughs> mm. Well, it feels growth, not pointless suffering. Exactly. That's that's the difference is when you're suffering and there's, there's it's empty, you're just suffering. But when you're suffering for love or you're suffering for passion, you actively are engaged in that suffering. Yep. What can I learn? How can I be better? How yeah, can I be yeah. stronger? This, How can I You look at it this? like it's f- fertile soil. Yeah, and Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I like that. It's sorry, interesting. Sorry, Ryan, interrupted you. Oh, no, I just one like going back to M talking about her family. Like, what specifically do you, were you looking for help with? I didn't understand the question. Like, did you want things we do to look at it or our perspectives or like, what are you struggling with the most? I think it's um, a moment of, I'm curious about, like, there is a sadness in me that I forget to look at. With all my happiness, with all of the leadership that I do and workshops, there is a sadness that sits there sometimes and I get I actually get angry before I get sad and so it's good to admit that there's sadness in me mm. in moments and mm. I'm just curious about it for people of do we realise that if you are angry or sad, what do you do with it? So there's a really good Louis C.K. video on it. And so can... I just love I love your vulnerability right now when yeah. you're talking. I feel so drawn to you and like mm. you're just such a soft, lovely person I want to hug. <laughs> you know? And I'm, del- you know what I mean? like I'm making no myself because I know. Yeah. <laughs> no makeup. It's yeah. bloody perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I am actually, there is like an internal battle in me going, wow, we're, on, we're doing a podcast. and Get I'm, your fan to listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sad and I'm feeling it and I'm like, I'm almost mastering and practicing my faith in going there here. 
which is fine because it's quite beautiful. So it's interesting that once I'm in that place, I can feel how much you're drawn to me. Oh, I just think it's beautiful. And like, you think about people out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I just really think that Jeremy. We're going to wrap up now, guys. we got to go home and um, do it. Sorry, Drew's girlfriend. <laughs> no, but I think it's it's I think it's c- compared to like how you you know like there's a part of you also wants to like manifest, um, I guess control in a sense or like Im- solutions, solutions and and like we all do, we all want that. But there, I think there's something about this the just being in it, yeah, and just asking. Like if we're talking about mental you know, health, how many people don't sit and ask oh, each other, totally. "What do I we're, do about it's this?" It's so outward. The search for recovery is so outward, and that's what's fundamentally incorrect in a lot of ways. And again, that comes down to personal practice, personal behaviours. But the incredible thing about emotion and connection is is much like you know anything natural, which is once your attention is placed onto it, it shifts. Its nature changes. And that's um, no no truer than it can be with emotion. As soon as you sit and stand with your emotion mm. and it gets the acknowledgement that it's really craving, <laughs> whilst we're trying to look in other directions and distract ourselves and get help and become better and fix ourselves, if we were to just stand with it and feel it, eventually it has to change form. And even mm. now as you're talking I can, and you're taking me through that process, it's moving into I've – love my family. Mm. Yeah. I'm yeah. even at a place now that I'm not even angry with them anymore because I've had that awareness. So like I've mm. literally gone, my sister is the best woman in the world. She does everything for anyone. Mm. I yell at her, I scream at her. She comes and sits down with me and says, what's going on? Why are you doing that? My brother just constantly just makes sure he's like, he, he, you know, he hovers around me. He doesn't know how to communicate. He cares. <laughs> the other one calls me today. <laughs> I'm in the midst of something, you know, like I'm office around me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he doesn't really know how to communicate. He doesn't know, you know, like he doesn't sit down like my sister and does that, but I can feel his love when he's hovering. Sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. Just to clarify yeah. that. So I'm almost in the midst of moving through how much I love mm, them. That's it. And that would only repeat back on me, right? Mm. Of how much I love my life. And that all emotions, that's exactly right. All emotions are self-perpetuating. This is what we forget is no one can make us feel anything. It is not outside of us that we feel things. Yeah, It's an internal phenomenon, which means it's our process, it's our thoughts around it that is creating that sensation and that feeling. And would you say on that, like, because... I agree and I feel like I noticing the difference between someone causing me to feel a certain way and to be blamed for making me feel a certain way is a big difference mm. but a powerful one because totally w- important to differentiate. Yeah, cuz cuz it's cuz I feel like it is true that they caused mm. this. It's a be- cause and effect. It's cause and effect. It's the natural. Effect is, yeah. yeah. And it's an energy transference thing. Yeah. Um but they're n- in no way to blame because it's no. just n- when well, any moment you can walk away from that situation. No one is holding you. Yeah. To that situation. And it's up my responsibility to deal with my own energy um, chamber. Yeah. (laughs) And I've got a challenge for people. Like I was sitting in that for like a month, like, cause this is the break. I have to go to Christmas and you're saying how much everyone's laughing about it at Christmas. I had to go to Christmas with them. I was furious about it. I had to do this and do that. So that was literally three weeks minimum of me expending anger. And so I actually think about anyone who's listening to this. Think about how much you're doing that and how long you're holding on to that yeah. and to understand that, that this is a, maybe a part of your healing. Like here's my little mm. moment of being helpful for those who are listening. Who are you angry with or where are you sad and mm. what do you do with that? Where are the emotions? I think it's, inter- awesome. I think it's interesting that you can do Where's things the like in it? meditation, yoga, uh, psychedelics. When you see the things you would have seen normally but you see them in a completely different shade or light and then when you get that experience of, oh, this is what I was always looking at but it has that view of beauty like mm. um, we were talking about before with the, you know, the other commissioners and then you can sort of see, well, no, everything is beautiful in its own way and it's actually me that's making it, mm. not It's beautiful. our bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can sort of shift your consciousness on that and I think, like, you could do that with your family, like you did just with them, showing the beautiful parts of them or thinking about their history and why they're like that. I think they're a couple of good techniques. Is- but, I, but I think the technique is really pushing into the pain or, like, sitting mm. in the process because I, mm. I think, like, we can... Rumi, it, the cure for the pain is in the pain. It's, yeah, yeah, in the mirror. Yeah. I think there should it be... It was me. 
Yeah. You're not them. And it always is. There's no exception to the rule. And this is the thing is like people want to be special. We want to be an exception to the rule or we fall in love and we want that other person to be the exception to the rule. But they are never an exception to the rule. Mm. At the end of the day, like we die, we, we're born alone and we die alone. And the journey on this planet is to really be with ourselves and master ourselves. I'm and actually going to die with my imaginary friend. I <laughs> just, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Frankie. Yeah, you would want to be special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so entitled. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, just to, just to know that and that once we accept that, that that's the journey, then we're so much more equipped to, to actually love others. But what does that mean? Like to somebody who is like mainstream, mainstream. works, muggles, you know, like us wizards <laughs> here it's in where, the podcast room. You know, people who don't do, you know, I just find the word journey. Can we just be a little bit more logical? Semantics. Can someone explain it to me? Yeah. All right. Well, what is the journey? Come on, what's find the journey? It's about the Life. journey. Let's just generally go like what, what is the process, the and process of life? There we go. Yeah, that there isn't, what is it, it's not good or bad, don't try to make it right. There's no charge ever except the charge that we put onto something. Everything in its essence is neutral. If you really want to go into like a higher level, I know we're trying to go mainstream, but this might help a mainstream no, but I'm the wrong audience, way, right? Yeah, I want to go more cosmic. Like go, go, to, go to the quantum level, right? 99% of things is space, so material things, and the rest, the, the other 1% is protons. And the protons are neutral until they're observed. And the observation of those protons and atoms is enough to actually shift the behavior. So our perception is the most powerful superpower that we have. And it's also malleable. Perception is completely changeable and shiftable. And once you know that, you realize that we can design and craft this experience. Mm. But to fundamentally know that it's neutral and that it's our choice as to what we paint onto it, is really, really crucial. It is crucial. That's so cool. And I think, but just to bring it back to the process, I think for what your question yeah, what's before, the journey I think it's, it's kind of just acknowledging that there is not necessarily an end goal, a journey, like our life is forever unraveling um, process. And I think a process of learning and growth, that, I mean, that, that feels to me what I, how I define my journey. Yeah, great. <laughs> if that helps. Oh, yeah. I, I one thing I've been thinking about lately, which is similar to what Jez is saying, is acceptance. So acceptance doesn't mean uh, I condone a behavior or I can condone an event, but it means accepting it. And I feel like a lot of the pain and suffering we have comes from trying to avoid something that makes us uncomfortable. Mm. Whereas you can say, okay, this is here and I'm going to experience that, like a you know sadness or um, the example I'll use is going to the dentist. It's like, it's here, I accept it, I don't like it. But I think a lot of it comes to not trying to push things away and embracing life. Yeah. And I think that's what I see is the journey is just learning to accept it Mm. and accepting that it's not always going to be good or bad. Like Mark Manson says in the book, he goes, Mm. you know, you don't always have to be happy Mm. and it's okay to be sad. We need like a new, it's like we need, I feel like a lot of people need to acknowledge that badness, quote unquote, is actually really good. Mm. (laughs) Like I, if I feel bad, I mean, I've had to learn that, like. I always just wanted to feel good because everyone who does like I, I think so, and that's even sort of the matrix there. If if there was a book and we've been handed one and we don't even realise we're following the rules, we have we unco- yeah we <laughs> yeah. are unconsciously following the rules of when I feel bad, something's wrong. Something's wrong mm. with me. I think Abraham Hicks says it really well, Love and Abraham. she yeah mm. she's amazing in her teachings because she'll teach that you know the good and the bad is simply just the contrast that helps our choice informs our choice oh, well put well put say it again one more time so the good and the Take bad the are just the contrast that inform our choice it's like when, when we have an experience that we deem bad and we have an, then we have an experience that we deem good we're then able to say I prefer that experience we're able to direct our focus onto the experience that's desired and become the vibration of that so that we can become more and more mastered in having better and better experiences. And I think that life should be better and better and better and better. Mm. And there's almost like a vortex. So let's think about, I'm 36 years old, right? I've been doing this work on myself and yet I'm still sad. But I think that there is a level of me needing to understand flushing out the dirt that's been Mm. stuck in there. And, you know, it's almost like 
I'm a vessel and I'm just flushing it out at different stages of my life. The spectrum is always there. But how trippy, like I contemplate this as like a concept, right? We think that the spectrum of our emotional capacity is, um, you know, maybe guilt or grief all the way up to love. But when you believe in the infinite nature of everything, there's going to become a point where we evolve to the state where there's actually a relieving emotion from love that there'll be a feeling so much greater than love that it's going to make love seem like the bad emotion. Uh, yeah. You know, that the spectrum is actually yeah. infinite. We just haven't that's evolved cool. to a point and that's probably that's so because cool to think. Yeah, that's probably because, you know, as as a right collective, on. we um where there's a density, so we're held to the lower vibration. So the greatest expression that we've seen demonstrated is a, a being, say, JC, who's the embodiment of love at all times. And we think that that's the highest possibility for us. I think Jay-Z. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, just yeah, to yeah. clarify. Beyonce but, too, of course. But imagine if the whole collective, you know, became like immediately unconditionally loving and flatline bliss, like uh, in a second, then there would be a whole other spectrum that's presented to us. It has to keep going. And that's what I feel sure. about even just what I've experienced the last two months, there was always an awareness that that there was nothing mm. to worry about. Mm. But I had to see it and experience it. And your problems are getting better. I, th- I feel like you, if each time you resolve the problem, it, it gets yeah. better every time. It absolutely better does. Better quality like, problems. Yeah, your problems, you're just getting better problems. Because <laughs> yeah. we'll always have problems. Yeah, <laughs> it's better to have creative problems. And also, yeah. if we had yeah. no problems, what would we talk about on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> 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 It'd be really, really not entertaining at all if we came just on here. Talk, like, it, talk about the present moment how good in all we of are. its yes. endless content. Okay, I have a question. Then, you know how I was thinking about it as I was crossing the street and you were coming in here? If they were to change the word mental health, right, there's a mental health epidemic. Now there's a new phrase. It's like the well-being. Just normal life. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is it going to be? I like to see it as um, I was actually just applying to do a presentation with the topic, don't try and fix something that's not broken. And I think something that encompasses that, mm. you know, it's, it's not, I don't know the term, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud, but that in itself that, you know, mental illness insinuates that that's a, it's a disease, that there's something wrong. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, to, to really rehabilitate yourself from a mental illness, you need to not see yourself as broken. So the solution is in the separation from the perception that there's something wrong. So shouldn't we just phrase it immediately from the get-go as the fact oh. that there's nothing wrong? I mean, personally, when I felt, when I was mentally ill or depressed, I... Um, chronically, I felt like my solution was to um, see myself objectively and see that there's a mm. chemical imbalance, so therefore I need to eat more protein because my brain makes serotonin and protein and whatnot. Yeah. And so I felt like that is actually empowering, yeah. which is different to what you're suggesting. Yeah, I guess everyone's process is different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for, for me, it was very much like the removal, like me standing up for myself after years of going through that system and saying, you know what, what if there just isn't something wrong with me? but everyone just keeps telling me there is. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm, a bit, was, I'm big on that. It was that belief mm-hmm. that maybe they're wrong and maybe there's nothing wrong with me and I just need to really believe that within myself. Cool. That was able to guide me through recovery. 100% believe that. But I think yeah, I also see the value. I mean, yep. now when I when I go through periods of anxiety and depression, I have a similar process to you now that I consciously think about it. If I'm going through a period of depression, I am thinking, well, let's look at this objectively. What about my lifestyle is contributing to the fact that I feel depressed? What about my choices is making me feel like I'm depressed and being able to alter those things? Mm. But again, it's coming back to the wholeness in you. Yes, Your yeah. body has the ability through the right diet to heal itself of an emotional deficit, you know, mm. for example, mm. which means that you were never broken. So you're just saying real government that, or no when you yeah. say emotional deficits. <laughs> <laughs> that you just needed like, to re- rejig. You yeah, needed yeah. To, 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 yeah, shift a few things to, to come back to your wholeness again. Really cool. Mm. I love it, man. Does that answer your question? Or, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't come up with a term, though. Oh, I'm just curious. I think Sorry, so. Maybe I'm, to the I'm, listeners. For some reason, yeah. I've got this innate need. It would be cool to hear what you think of why this is my need. Remember like the life. Just keeping it real. Yeah, That's it's what, like it's the, the life. Like, just be real. Do you remember shit. the campaign Life Be In It? 
with Norm. You might be a bit young, but Norm was this big government campaign. Do you remember it? No. no. Heard of it? Oh, you should go back through the records, right? So it was this period where... Run by the health department. Run by the health department. And it was massive. Australians loved it. They really grabbed hold of it. And it was like bounce, 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 bounce. There was even a... I've still got the... the, the, <laughs> the and it was about him getting active. And he was this big fat man that was drinking and smoking in a chair. And it was a cartoon. And all the kids, it was all through everything. <laughs> and people were like, be in it today, live more of your life, be in it. Yeah, right? And I'm really curious about why did that work so much back then? In Just the Norm, relatable dude. Relatable dude, <laughs> yeah. Norm, right? Aussie. And it was put through all the schools and why do I still remember it? But then I think about like now, there's always a mental health campaign but where's Norm? Who he's, yeah, but it's the Beyond Blue was... ads, or I shouldn't actually like name names, but there's ads on the back of toilet doors that say, are you depressed with this woman crying? You yes. Know? It's like no one wants to think to themselves, that is me. And that's what I'm wondering. There is always such a focus on the negative. Yeah. <laughs> Who took this photo of me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the focus on the negative, yeah. and and I think that we draw it more in. So yeah, I'm gr- curious really about anyone out there. We need there. to shift the collective attention. Seriously, create mm. like a campaign content that's conscious and cool. You just got to like <laughs> rejig the system <laughs> from within, right? Because at the moment, all of our media – and, um, you know, the things that we're exposed to day to day, I would say 90% of the messaging is fear-based. So whether 100%. consciously or unconsciously, we're giving our most precious commodity, which is our attention, yeah. our focus, onto that, which is actually holding its manifestation in place. If all of that messaging changed to loving messages and our attention went onto that, then it's vibrational again, what Be Abraham says. Be in it today, live more of your life. Be in. Yeah. What's it? <laughs> and that was Norm on the media, every channel. Simple anyway, message. Simple well, min- norm. What, what would be a better energy to put out than the negative? I mean, positive is well, a good I start. Think, <laughs> I think Jim Stones was a great role model for that. Someone that's yes. a footballer or in it. There was also that campaign which was talking about um, men's health with the guy in the, the suit, you know, and he had the moustache. Um, I can't remember how long ago. It was probably was like last right? year. Mm. It was... Um, but I think I think they're trying, but it's very hard to reach everyone. I think that's a cool thing about the internet is you can, um, yeah, kind of they're out there. solution focus. Pick your own bubble. That's that's the thing is like it's one thing to say like you need to admit you have depression, okay, but what now? It's, it's got to be like. Did the, you know that you have unlimited unlimited capacity to be yeah, and did you do? Know you were an yeah, infinite yeah. cosmic being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you put that? Can you put that through the government? Know, did you know metaphysically all the universe does is expand, and so do you? Yeah, you're better than the person you were yesterday. Be right? in it, awesome. <laughs> today. Man, I was so close. Like, yeah. <laughs> How can I feel like that? Yeah, you can by being in the now. Now, not in the past. Don't think about that other now. In the now, and it's a free pill. Yes, I don't have to pay for this. You don't have to pay for it. It's within you. Yeah, teachers will have you believe that you do, though. Copious amounts of money. Rascals. M, don't make us redundant. Sorry, sorry, sorry. At Rainbow, I was lying down for a sound healing meditation. I opened my eyes, and this guy handed me a business card. Just a random guy, I didn't know him, and on the card it was Good promoting now, and it's like available any moment, and it's like <laughs> it's just this whole business card kind of That's like. Funny. Um, Do you have this card on you? I don't. But I can. I'll I send feel you a like photo. I know the origins of this card. Was it called a Now Voucher? Yeah, and it was N O U. That's my. That's my business collaborator. Yeah, oh, it was now-ism. amazing, and people were spraying me with water. Oh. Oh, sound, and I, I just now loved it. Get a, get a now, now, and get another now free. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's always here. Yeah. Unlimited it's like offer. a little totem. Mm. That's cool. Oh, cat doors, we'll be listening to this. Amazing. I'm going to credit you, cat doors. Thank you, cat doors. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. That's funny. I'm going to put it on my fridge. That's so funny that it was at Rainbow. Do you know the person who gave it to you? He was a man with slight beard, maybe longer hair, dreadlocks. This sounds like everyone at Rainbow. Yeah, yeah look. <laughs> I was, hey, I was there and I don't have dreadlocks. Still I was sound Can you mount me? Did my <laughs> well, good point. I did wash my hair. Um, Nicole, look, I think if there's anything I take from this conversation other than I am feeling very warm and fuzzy and like fluffy bunnies within me, so there must be some connection going on today. I just think that if anyone's listening to this and you doubt whether 
there is some goodness going on in our government in the mental health. Um, I think you just proved that you're part of the solution. And mm. I don't say that to create ego or separate you or put you on a pedestal. I just think it's really good to know that there are amazing people out there doing great work. You know, someone who sits and thinks and goes through the, the journey herself to go out there and teach it. And that's important to know mm. that that's out there, don't you think? Absolutely. You same embody the does. perspective, the wise perspective. Yeah, and um, definitely. Same to all of us who are doing it in our own way. And mm. if anything, people out there who are listening to this every time, you know, I really encourage you to spend more time having more connection with people, finding mm. that life that's purpose. You know, let the one thing from these conversations ignite. And I really encourage you all, of course, to always go to collectivepotential.com.au and check out what we're doing. Or go to roganrouge.com. Dot org.au. Dot com.org.au? Yeah, or just yeah. dot org. Just yeah, all of them. Or Google <laughs> Nicole Gibson, you know, yeah. um, and all find out. <laughs> or And Jeremy Khan. Google, you don't want to see something. Go to um, Google forward slash Jeremy Khan. Go to our own webpage. Yeah. NicoleGibson.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit of self-promotion. You know, I think it's important because we have to give them resources. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you for your vulnerability. Too. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, yeah. Jez. Thank you, guys. We'll, can, we'll continue podcast. this laboratory of vulnerability next week. Thank you.